Welcome back to Conscious Sedation. This is Tiffany and Tasha. Rara. <laughs> no, you hate that. Wawa. Can you say it like me? Wawa. And we are back with shift number six. Been so long. We've been gone for a while. Hey, listen. We've been gone. We are sorry. So let's let's talk about why <laughs> why we were gone for so long. We first we want to apologize because it wasn't right for us to like you know get y'all hooked to the show. And then I know y'all were tweaking. Y'all were out mm-hmm. there fiending for mm-hmm. for all this greatness <laughs> that we have given you. I did get a few text messages like, "So uh, are y'all done? Right. Uh, what's that?" <laughs> like. Yeah, it's like when when you watch a show on Netflix, and they it's like this the couple little you know test 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 seasons, and then you're all hooked. Then you gotta wait six months for the or year, yeah, or year. Yes, so we are sorry. Like Game of Thrones, House of Cards. I couldn't get into that. So I like the Get Down. Oh, I've been hearing about that. So good. Okay, the Get Down is so good. I need to check, but I did have that moment. I was like, "What is up with Blackish in these sporadic weeks that they are off and don't have an episode?" I haven't either, and I'm kind of disappointed in myself because everybody keeps saying it's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're sorry. Our bad. I mean, life. Okay, that's all I got to say. So we're back and we're refreshed. So we are refreshed. (laughs) I definitely am. The sun has kissed my skin. I have some vitamin D. Mm-hmm. It's been great. Yeah, some vitamin D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that too. <laughs> and we're back in full effect. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't nothing changed. Ain't nothing changed. Change. Ain't nothing changed. Same old thing. <laughs> so we will bring back our hashtags from a month ago. Wow. Dust off your brain. Please. Here we go. Do y'all, hopefully y'all, know. you know what? Actually, stop right now. Go back and listen to shit five. Yeah. So you'll know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> right. Because we recaps. don't even know. Yes, we had to go Promise back. I had it planned before y'all got here. Yeah. I said, let me go ahead and run this back <laughs> real quick. So if you see one view, it was me. It was <laughs> one play. Mm-hmm, that was, that was Tasha. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was Who me. wants to lead off with their hashtag? I'll, I'll lead. So my hashtag is hashtag... Yay five, and that was done by Miss Tasha. She tried twice. I was listening to it. I was like, twice you said it, and we really couldn't hear. We were celebrating (laughs) our fifth shift, the fact that we made it to five shifts, and Tasha said, "Yay five witches." If you guys don't know from the Cosby Show when Rudy's fifth birthday, and she was feeling all left out and too little. Yeah, Mm, it was really cute. So that's my hashtag. Yay five. Yay, Yay five. five. I know, and now we're on six. So, um, my hashtag, I kind of made up. <clears throat> we didn't say it, but we did say it, is hashtag mindful moment music. <laughs> <laughs> and the mindful moment music brought us mixed emotions. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to try it again and see what happens this time. Mm-hmm. But I also mm-hmm. was thinking hashtag click, hashtag click. Hashtag click because that's all I heard was me like turning it down like click 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 click. Yeah. So yeah, that's my hashtag. Our little mindful moment music. That was good. But hey, some people like the music. We some got we got like some pretty decent feedback yeah. about the music. We did so. get good feedback yeah. about the about the music, and it was cool to me. I was just like, okay, that could have been done better. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, it's hey, all good. We trying it out. We trying it out. Well, of course, Tasha has stolen my hashtag again. What? That is hilarious. <laughs> is it really? Yes. What? 
So that is hilarious. I don't have a hashtag. This time she wasn't even cheating off of me. She's wow. in my brain like we were air fighting last time. Right. <laughs> so now that was funny. I kind of wanted the silent so argument hashtag again. <laughs> Because it was funny. Rude. It was rude because I you, was talking. We you were engrossed were. in what you were saying. No, you and weren't. we were writing notes and then I saw her write That's what true. I was writing. That's true. You know, it's probably because you guys are cousins. You have like I the same her the last true. time we shared DNA. Yeah. I can't help it. Great yeah. minds think alike. Lord help us. You know, I'm gonna have my own hashtag. It's a good time. burden to have. <laughs> you modeling yourself after the elder. Elda. That's your hashtag. That could be your hashtag. Right. Elda. Elda. Okay. That's what that Elda. is. Elda. Mm-hmm. Sister Tasha Cousin. You know mm-hmm. what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next we have our mindful moments. We're going to give this music another go round. Y'all Get let us know what ready. y'all think. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to try and give it another go. And bam. Mm-hmm. You going to go first? Yeah, so you can't steal off of me. So, this this particular mindful moment is kind of more so of a, um, come with me, Uh, like a kind of just an idea for you guys to try because it's been fun for me. Uh, So, this is something that's super old. We used to do this in like elementary school. It's called the random act of kindness. So, brought it back in my adult age me and my fiance so we like to do like once a week you just have to do something randomly nice for someone else now it can be a stranger which makes it better usually um or it can be someone you know but the big thing is like you cannot like broadcast about that you did it Mm -hmm. um because to us i think that makes it more genuine if you do something nice and then you don't like try to get this praise the whole i just did this or whatever so so don't put it on face on facebook <laughs> right don't like you can okay. like you can oh, say right. like did my random act of kindness and then for yourself like you know what it was and so you can feel good about it but you don't need to like be like yeah so i paid off so-and-so's loan which you know i'm gonna pay for any of my student loans <laughs> i am available. You and your <laughs> we like chocolate <laughs> we like for our loans to be paid off anything but yeah, that was mine. So of course I won't tell you my random act of kindness, but I thought it was a fun idea for other people to try. Put some good energy in the world. Yeah, so it's kinda like paying it forward. Mm-hmm. hmm mm-hmm. It can be anything. Small, large gesture. Mm-hmm. Just put some good in the world. I can appreciate that. It definitely puts you in the mind space of gratitude and gratefulness. <clears throat> that was actually one of my thirty five things. On my list, when I turned 35, I made a list of 35 mm. things to do, and 35 random acts of kindness was on there. Wow. Okay. What's yours? Um, I'm mindful of many, many things, especially since it's been so much time. I've been having, like, all these thoughts pinging around. So, I mean, I'm just mindful of the um, profession that I've been afforded along with my uh, income. And the ability to take a vacation, vacation, and have a good time and spend some time with my man and um, just the two of us kind of connecting, reconnecting, and then um, meeting really cool people along the way. Um, so I'm mindful of that. And then this is 
kind of funny the other day. It reminded me of you, Tiff, and your <laughs> mindful moment that you had with the old man who was like going to hold the door for you. So <laughs> I had gone to the, I know it was really cute, but I had gone to the gym at work and I was there late, like maybe 10, 11 o'clock, something like that. And towards the end of my workout, these two guys had come in and I had my music playing on Bluetooth over the stereo that was in there. So before I just turned it off and left, <laughs> I might want to say something. So I'm like, hey, guys, you know, this is my Bluetooth music playing. Do you want me to turn on the radio? And they said, no, you know, it's cool. We'll hook up our Bluetooth, yada, yada. So I'm like, OK, cool. Y'all have a good workout, whatever. And one of the guys was just like, um, not on some chauvinism type stuff, but um, do you want me to walk you out to your car or do you need one of us to walk you to your car? And I was just like, wow, like, no, I don't. But I really appreciate that. That's I was not like, chauvinistic at all. Exactly. That's... But you know what it made me think of this whole feminism mm -hmm. thing. Yes. And I was like, like, feminism has wiped out chivalry. Like yes. this man has to be like, I'm, hey, I'm not trying to be, you know, say you're not capable. Right. But. You know, just looking out for me. So I really appreciated that. And I was like, no, y'all have to walk me out. But I was like, I'm parked right in the garage. If y'all want to peek out, you know, you should see me walk into my car. Make sure I made it. They were like, cool, we got it. So, you know, just kind of had the same thoughts as you. Like, there are still good people in the world. And it was a gesture that I did not expect at all. Had not experienced before. Like, not in that setting. So mm -hmm. it was refreshing. But... Yeah, I'm just, like I said, I'm mindful about a million and one things. The sunshine, I went on yes. a run this morning, it was really nice, and yeah, I'm just, I'm good, life is good. Good. What about you? Um, today, I am just mindful of um, the power to choose, the freedom to choose that we have. Um, so many people don't have the power to choose anything. They are stuck in situations where... They are not able to make choices about where they want to go or what they want to eat or where they want to live or the choice to go to school, the mm -hmm. choice to um, the choice to choose themselves. Some people um, are in relationships, but they are not able to choose themselves. They're they're stuck. And so I'm just really just mindful um, on this day while the wind is whipping all through everybody's hair and blowing <laughs> on everybody's face that we have the power to get out there and enjoy it. And we have the power to choose what we want to do in a day. And I just think um, it's such a small freedom that we all take for granted because really it's a huge, the, the, the freedom to choose is a huge um, freedom that we have. And I'm just mindful of that. Absolutely. Awesome. So now we'll go on to the inbox report, which I will be reading. Okay. So, so <laughs> we had a old question from my sister Faith. So we're going Shout to out Faith. Hey, girl. hey Faith in Kansas. Hey girl. <laughs> Hashtag Kansas. Hashtag oh, and it Kansas. Never dies. <laughs> it just keeps coming back. Yeah. It's the hashtag that keeps on living. It keeps going. Yeah. Like the energy of the Kansas stand up. All right. So it says <sighs> what? <laughs> so it says hello from a random listener in the Midwest. Here is a question. Can you explain the process of getting professional health care as an adult? This year I got my own health insurance, previously was covered underneath my parents, and it dawned on me that I had not been to a primary care doctor since I was a child. 
I had visited random clinics for physicals, and if I felt a sickness was lingering, I went to an urgent care. How important is it to find a regular doctor, and how often should you visit them? Um, when I looked through my insurance, there were so many different types of doctors listed. How do you know which one to pick? So I actually have a good answer. This is actually gonna was going to be my nursing note for today. Oh, sweet. Was the importance of, um, even in adulthood, maintaining primary care um, and making sure that you go to see your physician um, annually. So to answer your question, um, even as adults, we should make sure that we go to see a doctor at least once a year just for a physical, um, just to make sure that everything is well. They can do um, a blood draw just to make sure that all of your blood levels are fine. Um, and I am guilty, completely guilty of this myself. Uh, again, we talked about the first shift about self-care and my journey toward you know, taking better care of myself. Um, you mentioned in your email that you yourself hadn't been to the doctor since you were a child for like, you know, the, we, the well child visits. They go every month as infants or I mean, every couple of months as infants. And then once you get to be about two, then children go once a year. And so um, I was, I am diligent about taking care of my children. I mean, they go to the dentist every six months. They go to the doctor once a year. Um, we never miss those appointments. Um, but myself, I had not been to the dentist. Whoa. But wait, listen. <laughs> Judge your mama, okay? I hadn't been to the dentist in like two years just for a cleaning. Oh, that's um, just I beat because you. you beat me? Mm -hmm. mm. See, I was so embarrassed to tell the dentist that. And I also um, had not been to the doctor um, for just an annual checkup. Maybe about three or four years ago, I had gotten like walking pneumonia. So I went to the doctor, obviously, because I had this lingering hack. And everybody was like, something's wrong with you. Go to the doctor. And I was like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and so I had pneumonia. Sorry. Whatever. Judge your mama. And um, so, I, but before the, so I went to the doctor then to get treated. Then I went to the doctor for a follow-up. And then, when, again, when I realized that I hadn't been to the dentist in two years, I was like, well, damn. When's the last time I went to the doctor? Now, I, I do make sure... My kitty stays pretty. Mm -hmm. I do make sure I get that <laughs> annual pap, which I may change now since you told us about the new mm -hmm. things. I'm going to talk to my OBGYN about that. But anyway, um, just to make sure that my whole self is well, I had not been to the doctor. And so I, again, made it a point to select a primary care doctor, which I have done. Um, and so you talked about how do you go about selecting a primary care doctor? Me as a black woman. I am most comfortable going to see a black woman um, for my primary care because I'm just the kind of person who I want to go to somebody who understands me on a whole level, on a holistic level. And so um, that's who I am most comfortable with. So really the questions that you have to start to ask yourself when you're choosing a primary care doctor is what makes you most comfortable? You may be comfortable with a man versus a woman, or you may just want a female doctor. It doesn't have to be um, of any certain race or ethnicity, or you may want to stay within this network, or you might want to stay within so many miles from your home. And when you log into your insurance portal, there are all of those different um, um, I can't think of the word. Uh, you can narrow it down when you choose your doctor. Filters. Yes, filters. Mm -hmm. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. You can filter it to distance from your home or um, um, you, wait times, wait times. Yeah, you can. Reviews. Yes, you can filter it to whatever you prefer. So um, 
you need to ask yourself those hard questions. Sometimes they are hard questions um, to ask yourself in terms of what makes you most comfortable. And you might not know. The good thing is, is you can change your doctor. If you go to a doctor and you hate the office or you hate the front staff or you, or you love the doctor or you don't love the doctor, you can change the doctor. You are not locked in just because you have selected a physician and you decide that you hate that particular physician. You are allowed to change. And so um, does that answer all the questions? That has answered all the questions. Okay, so make sure you go once a year. And that was actually my nursing note, so I don't have to do that later. You silly. (laughs) She also asked, like, what the process would be um, most... For choosing a doctor? To signing up for insurance, period. Um, Most employers who offer insurance offer it once a year. Or if you have been, like, released from an insurance, like she mentioned that her parents had previously covered her if her parents released her or the time came up where she couldn't be covered under her parents insurance anymore she has 30 days to get insurance from her current employer you know without being penalized or without not being able to sign up until open enrollment again or if you have a major life event like if you get married or have a child or um there's certain other life events that qualify you to be able to either change your insurance or at you know get new insurance also so your insurance company or your employer Mm -hmm. would would surely know what those qualifying events are and most offer as soon as you get a job or employed with them but if you miss that window you have to wait until open enrollment which i was totally one of those people who did not have insurance for a good while at least a year or two after i was kicked off my mom's insurance mostly because i didn't want to pay more than the five dollar copay You had the $5 or whatever the copay would be, but I was cheap. And I was like, I don't want to. So I had to wait until, you know, way late into my employment to actually pick up insurance. So that's one of those lessons that you learn as an adult, how to kind of care for yourself. But I'm I'm guilty, too. Like you, I still don't have a primary care physician. I see my GYN Mm -hmm. for labs and all of that stuff. And thankfully, they're able to kind of cover an umbrella my care or whatever because... I'm healthy, <laughs> but in the event that anything else goes down, I'm kind of screwed. Yeah, so we need to do better, too, guys. Absolutely. We need to do better, too, because we talked about in the, the first and second shifts, of, no, maybe the first and third shifts about um, you, I think, Tiffany, we're talking big time about um, go to the doctor. <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you know, sometimes a small thing can stay small if it's caught early Mm -hmm. and if we're not going to the doctor well duh it's not going to be caught early so and especially I had to like kind of slap myself around a little bit because I pay for insurance it is coming Mm -hmm. out of my check every Every time I get paid why not am I not using it it's like throwing money away Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am paying for a service and I am not using it I mean, we wouldn't do that in any other area of our life if we found no, out that memberships. Yeah, well, gym memberships, yeah. <laughs> but that kind of lumps that in just, with healthcare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Snatch. we need to just do better. And so I myself, even if it's just, hopefully it is just the once a year check because that means that things are going well, but at least do that. Mm-hmm. At least yeah. do that. And just to kind of piggyback too off what you said, don't ever feel like you're locked in or stuck with one caregiver if you mm-hmm. don't like anything about it from the the wait time, the distance, um, the way the process is set up for them to get you registered. A lot of people have, or a lot of doctors and offices have an online set up now. Well, maybe you don't want to be worrying about filling out forms mm-hmm. and submitting your personal all, information yeah, online. or getting your lab results. Yeah. Like a lot of people are more, um, much more progressive now. And then I was helping 
um, my honey select his primary care physician and a lot of these people on the sites have like cultural training yes. and things like that mm-hmm. so if those are important to you by all means select your caregiver yeah. based on those those if they're values. bilingual or multilingual yeah. that will be on there as yeah. well mm-hmm. yeah kid friendly all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. is on there so select you know what your preference will be yeah that was a good question i mm-hmm. think most people have that question have that question yeah and don't know where to start because they do like when you sign up for insurance give you this thick looks like a phone book and pretty much is a phone book mm-hmm. of providers or you know now I guess we do move from the book thing they're like okay go online mm-hmm. and you put in a search and it pops up all these people and most of it is just names and you're like okay can I get some pictures or whatever and a lot of people feel like their hands are tied at that point and you are well within your rights to call that office and say hey you know I want a black female is this doctor sure. African-American yeah. You know, does she speak English well? Does she have a thick accent? It might be interesting for you to be able to talk to your doctor or understand. <laughs> might <that>. be important. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. It's, sometimes that's a problem for people. I will also say this is where Doctor Google comes in handy because you can Google Definitely. any doctor's yeah. name, and there um, there are multiple review sites that um, give doctors grades or scores or whatever. Also, there's a picture. Mm-hmm. You can see exactly what this doctor looks like, and. The power of word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Ask your friends who their doctor is. I mean, we're getting to a point now where a lot of doctors accept multiple insurance carriers. Mm -hmm. And so ask your friends who they go to. Yep. Mm -hmm. Especially if they have somebody who they really love. They like, right. Yep. Because I know I prefer my dentist to multiple people. I'm like, he's a black man. He has his own office. I've been going to him since before I started my orthodontic care or braces work, which I was referred to him by my orthodontist. She's like raved about him. He's wonderful. He's this and he's everything she said he is. And I mean, it's just, it's been a great office. And everybody who's gone there that I've referred has also had a good experience too. So you're right on that. Excellent. So hope we answered your question, Faith. So now we will get into the topic. So our topic this shift is when to go where. So we've kind of highlighted, each of us have kind of highlighted a couple of different um, facilities for patient care that we'll kind of explain a little bit more in depth. So you guys kind of know what you're getting into um, if you're asked to... um, go to one of these facilities or if you need to go to one of these facilities or if you're trying to coordinate care with like a family member um and one of these facilities so tasha will kick us off uh with the hospitals (laughs) all right so um when you go to the hospital this is considered to be an acute care facility which means you don't intend on spending a long time there this is for emergencies surgery Um, having a child, things like that. And so um, when you're talking about acute care settings, it's a problem when people present to an acute care setting or the hospital with a um, non-emergent or non-acute issue or something that's been going on for a long time. So you have the ED, which is kind of the biggest um, service I think that acute care facilities offer that people are aware of. So when you go to the emergency department, I think there's a misconception that when you go, you're going to be seen in the order that you arrived. (laughs) (laughs) And we all get a nice little chuckle about that. Wait, you don't? 
This is not the customer care call center, and your call will not be taken in the order that it was received. Um, and while people understand that, the, I mean, it's actually in the name, emergency department. While people know that, they still expect um, a different level of care or service at this time. And so I think um, just to clear up some thoughts about what the emergency department does, they basically handle cases on a triage sort of system. So from most critical to least critical is the priority and it kind of doesn't matter when you showed up. And of course, if everybody is there with the common cold, then everybody will be seen in the order that they came. But you know, if there's something catastrophic that comes through the door, please do not be upset if you have to wait. And so um, that was a big part of this whole shift for us, just educating you about other places that you should and could go prior to presenting to an acute care facility. Because if you're deemed to be non-emergent or... Um, I don't know, non-emergent yeah. <laughs> like, or non-acute, mm-hmm. then you'll be treated as such. And a lot of times people do get upset with the care providers, nurses, registrars, physicians, um, whoever is is part of these care teams because they think that it's some sort of assault to them or insult to them because I've been sitting here for such and such hours and this person just came and they just whisked right on in. Well, that's kind of the whole point. Um, And I always urge my patients, especially ones who may be impatient, it's like, if that were you, if that was you on that gurney, you know, having a baby or in a car accident, or if that was your loved one, would you then want them to sit in the waiting room while someone who's there for, you know, a cough is seen? Or would you like them to be, you know, jump to the top of the line the way it should be? So when you're talking about an acute care setting, you have the ED, which is one of the biggest departments, I feel like, at all of the hospitals. You have inpatient, which is where patients usually go to recover from that acute um, event, whatever happens to them in the hospital. You also have surgery units there, and this could be ambulatory surgery, which, which means you go in at the beginning of the day or whatever your appointment time is, have your surgery, and then you're discharged from the hospital at that point and receive your follow-up care in another setting. So that pretty much explains acute care. Is, is there anything to add from you ladies about that? No, I don't have anything to add. Oh, I would like to add, um, well, no, we talked about their other places that they can go. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to those. Urgent. Yeah, we'll yep. get to those. Um, also just a thing to be mindful of in an emergent situation um, a lot of people do worry about finances and just always be mindful that the emergency department cannot turn you away they have to provide care so so many times you hear people say well I didn't come in because we didn't have the money or something like that and I just I would like to stress to people that at that point it does not matter like the hospital has to treat you um, now, if it if you go to a hospital and they cannot provide the care that you need, then in that situation, then they need to, and your family can advocate for this too. If you feel like you went to, got taken to a hospital, you don't feel comfortable there, that they can provide the care you need, you can get transferred to a facility that can provide um, the care level that you need. So just I'll keep those in the back of your mind. 
I'll piggyback on that, and that's what I was kind of going to say, um, is that I know a lot of people, um, because they can't afford health care, the state that our health care um, is currently in right now, a lot of people cannot afford health care to go to a primary care. So a lot of people do use uh, acute care, emergency room as mm-hmm. primary care because they know that they cannot be turned away. And so some people will wait as long as they possibly have to um, to get treated because they, they that's the only way that they may be able to seek Or that's the um, only way that care. they know of. I think that's mm-hmm. a big portion of miseducation, especially in the black community, black and brown communities. They mm-hmm. don't know that they the same resources that are available in the ED, like social work, or financial counseling or things like that are also available in primary care facilities or in a clinic. But see, I'm speaking of undocumented people. They oh, may be undocumented, and, then, and if they're undocumented, then they can't get social services because they don't have the they don't meet the criteria. Mm-hmm. There are lots of paperwork that has to be pushed around for them mm-hmm. to qualify for. Um, But there are special circumstances because we have emergency Medicaid for our patients who are coming in to deliver. And anytime you have a pregnant woman who presents, they do receive Medicaid, emergency Medicaid, whatever umbrella, which should advantage Mm -hmm. is our, you know, state provided health care so that they can get um, prenatal care and delivery and then their newborn care. Right. For that one one time period in their life. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Which is it's most important. of the time, the only time that we see people present for what we would consider primary care. In, but that's in on your delivery, right. right? In the ED, I'm right. sure they so see we end up for tackling a lot of other things. things at the same time because you're like, oh, shit, you finally came to the doctor, girl. Let's handle this blood pressure yeah. and let's get your eyeglasses together. And mm-hmm. you know, we do end up kind of tackling all of those things together in that setting but again that's a resource that has been linked from them presenting and to the hospital in the first place right mm-hmm. right our healthcare system like you said is in shambles yes it is all right so then we'll kind of move towards um kind of the facilities outside of the hospital itself so kind of two big popular places now are urgent care and minute clinics Mm -hmm. um quite convenient that these places have grown in popularity and that they're available to the public um and most of the time insurance will cover a portion of the visit so it's a nice option if like this phantom primary care clinic we keep talking about if you can't get in there right you don't want to go to the emergency department these are some nice options um a lot of times there's kind of confusion about what exactly you should go to kind of each of these four uh the minute clinic just kind of general here um usually are run by nurse practitioners and then there's like a staff worker that works with them to kind of get your vital signs and things like that Um, Typically at the clinics, they kind of handle things like giving vaccines. Um, They can kind of do like if you've got a cold, they can do kind of some swabs for that. And it's convenient because most of the time they're in a CVS or Walgreens. Mm -hmm. They give you a script, walk right over Mm -hmm. to the pharmacy, get your script, roll. Mm -hmm. So quite convenient for very small, minor things. Uh, Just to keep in mind, they don't typically have like x-ray equipment and things like that. So if you think you need a scan, something like that, or some kind of more significant lab work, then that's the time you go ahead and, yeah, 
fluids, things like that, you head over to the urgent care. Um, kind of the best comparison that I've heard for an urgent care is kind of anything that they can do in the back of the ambulance, they technically can do with the urgent care. So they're able to start IVs, they can give you fluids, they can give you oxygen, things like that. But they are very mindful when they reach that threshold, they will ship you to the nearest emergency department. Mm -hmm. So um, and typically these facilities are run by physicians um, and then they also have other healthcare staff there as well. So um, also most of the hospitals, they're able to pull the records from urgent care via care web, things like this. So most of the time your doctor is able to see that visit, whether it was in your network or not. So that's just kind of something um, to be mindful of just um, when you do go to those. But they're definitely a nice alternative um, mm. if you can't to get waiting into hours, taking yeah. off to the urgent <laughs> care. Well, now, sometimes urgent care can get backed up, too. <clears throat> I've been in there. I've never been. Thank I've been God. in there and had to wait, too, mm -hmm. before, yeah. Um, what about cost, Tiffany? Is there a big cost difference between Minute Clinic and urgent care? Um, it depends on what you're getting. Like, I just went to a minute clinic because I needed a physical for school. And due to my procrastination, I needed it like that week. Mm -hmm. um, so that, though, uh, wasn't covered by insurance. It was like $85. Mm -hmm. um, but it, but they have, both are very good. They have, like, the service, the price. Priceless. Um, and then they, you, Urgent Cares, they are up on it. So they will have, like, the insurances that they take. And then they let you know you need to cash this out, right? Like, most of the time, they want the money before that they will before see Before the you. service. Oh, no. mm -hmm. nice. Okay. So, and they will let you know. And most of the time, you can you can tell them what insurance they have, and they'll let you know if they take that particular insurance okay. or not. Now, the emergency department, of course, is going to be a lot more expensive, um, the visit itself. Um, but again, that's something you got to check with your insurance, of course, after the emergency. Because sometimes there's big deductibles. Yes. Um things like that but your life is more important mm -hmm. at that I point say our ed deductible is like 150 yeah that's nothing compared to a lot of people a lot of people have like five thousand well they have to meet the deductible before they can even right do like start using exactly. insurance which is yeah we'll mm -hmm. get to that in another shift yeah. the business of that's the business part that's crazy <coughs> the correct like, part but, right you're like but wait a minute i'm paying you every two weeks every. and now I, I need to come out of pocket five grand before okay oh mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So it is my turn again. <laughs> <laughs> so primary care, we've been talking about this, hinting at it. You need to go to PCP, blah, blah, blah. So um, it is important. And like kind of Ryan and Tasha were saying, you got to go. You got to do it. You need someone to look at you at least once a year. Um, and so I just went this week. Um, so that was a fun experience. <laughs> you're like, oh, you're pretty healthy and your parents are pretty healthy. I'm like, that's why I don't come. But it's good. You Like Ryan was saying, you pay for this every month. So you might as well get in there, meet this person. Yes. Mm -hmm. Get some blood work done and then you kind of know where to go from there. Mm -hmm. uh, so your primary care doctor, this would be kind of your go-to person. Um so, like we were saying, you're going to go and select which doctor you want to see kind of based on your preferences, which is the awesome thing about kind of the internet and stuff right now. You can just kind of pick what you want, and that's who you go see. 
Um, so typically at your appointments, um, once you're an established patient, you can come back. Like if you do get this cough or cold, they can try to work you back in. They see you, they give you scripts for what you need. Um, but also this is very important for, I think Tasha will speak on specialties. So kind of if like, let's say you've been pretty healthy, then you start to have heart problems. Now your primary care doctor, this doctor kind of covers like your general health. Um, but sometimes they like to branch out to certain specialties. So if you had a problem with your heart, they may refer you to a cardiologist. Mm -hmm. If you have problems with um, kind of hormones, things like that, diabetes, they can transfer you over to an endocrinologist. So the primary care doctor is very important to like the center of your health care. Mm -hmm. um, and then that person can always, and they always can give all of your information to the doctors at the specialist so that hopefully the continuance of care goes smoothly. Does that always happen? No, but ideally it should. Let me, let's put a pin right here because I feel like we need to back up just a second because we are talking as though everybody has traditional insurance. And I will say that Medicaid, or if you have um, Medicare, Sometimes when you, we keep talking about you have the right to choose your doctor and select your doctor. Sometimes when you have Medicaid, um, depending on who, what provider, even under the Medicaid umbrella you have, you might be locked in with your doctor for a certain amount of time. Like I've had moms who have told me that they went to their child's well child visit and they that doctor was no longer the approved doctor or the selected doctor for them to take their child to. So then they have to call Medicaid and figure out what happened and just reconfigure their whole um, health care system within their family because that has changed. So if you do not have traditional insurance through your employer, if you have Medicaid or if you have some kind of state-covered insurance or city-covered insurance, um, Get to know how the process works. When you sign up for those benefits, make sure that make sure you ask. A lot of times you do kind of like we were talking about when you um, with open enrollment for somebody who may have insurance through their employer. When you initially sign up for Medicaid, you may have um, a month or three weeks to select a doctor. Um, and a lot of times, unfortunately, doctors cap out. They may not take. They may only take fifty Medicaid patients a year, or two hundred a year, or they may not be accepting new patients. Exactly. And so, when you select your doctor, it might kick back. So, when, if you have that type of insurance. Have maybe two or three choices in mind that you may want to choose for your doctor and make sure you get lots of good referrals for them so that you can be relatively sure that you'll be comfortable with them once you choose. Because sometimes once you select a doctor with Medicaid, you can't then go back and say, I want to choose a new doctor. You might be stuck with that doctor for six months to a year. Um, and so I just wanted to back up because all of our listeners may not have traditional insurance through their employer. I know a lot of my mom's don't they have Medicaid or they have um, somebody's the hospital sponsored insurance and it works a lot differently. So if make sure you ask questions, make sure that you figure out how your system works so that you aren't stuck in a situation that you um, that you can't get out of. So sorry, I just wanted to. I think many times too, like I feel like my insurance works a lot like the hospital sponsored insurance. Mm -hmm. Because we all go to the same place. 
we all go to the same clinic and it wouldn't make sense for them, the hospital, to have a grouping for patients and a grouping for employees who are also patients. And so I feel like I run into a lot of the roadblocks to healthcare as it pertains to trying to get in. And so I think, thankfully, I have a backdoor kind of setup, but it does take you being diligent as the patient and advocating for yourself and, you know, really, really sticking to what you know you need and being vigilant about putting yourself first and the squeaky wheel gets the oil because there's been many of situations where I've called and called and called and called and called and called um, and then having to learn the changes like you said there was at one point I could call and make an appointment for my annual pap or whatever it was and then one day I called and it was same day appointments and I was Mm -hmm. like what so just being up to date on that kind of stuff is really important and it will cause a lot of frustration which you know some may argue is part of the the point unfortunately you know a lot of times these systems are put in place to frustrate people to turn them away and to kind of keep you in this disenfranchised position but you have to be your own advocate you have to have to go to war for yourself because Mm -hmm. if you don't who will no one will. Mm-hmm. And as it pertains, pertains to primary care, like Tiff was saying, your doctor that you see over and over and over and over again, you inevitably build a relationship with that person. And this is your baseline information. And so they are probably going to be that first point of contact, that first person that catches something that's off, even if it's a little bit. You might not even notice You know, sometimes people can have some slurring or the memory loss or whatever, and they don't think anything of it. But if you have built this relationship with your primary care physician over this amount of time, they can be like, that's "Um, different or you're swollen today or whatever. Mm -hmm. Have you always had this mole? Mm -hmm. You know, because I don't remember seeing this or whatever. And so primary care is very important in that regard because they can be that bridge to wellness, that bridge to a better life. But sometimes it is hard to get in. Those barriers are real. Also, if something were to happen and you found yourself inpatient on, in the hospital, you have a behind-the-scenes advocate. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. you have somebody who knows you who's yeah. going to be saying, no, this is my patient. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we're going to do. Or I think this is the good, a better plan or whatever. You have somebody kind of internally who can, mm-hmm. who can also advocate for you while you're advocating for yourself. So, yes. Another barrier, too, that I can say, like I said, being as part of using my own hospital network as my insurance too. When I work in a facility that's a teaching facility, you have the benefit and the drawback of working with residents. And so you don't always see the same doctor, you know, kind of like going to a medical group where if you're in the hospital, you'll see whoever's on call that sort of thing. But if you can help it, then request the same resident, request the same doctor, ask them what their schedules are, Mm -hmm. what they're like, Mm -hmm. so that you can kind of get that regular continuity of care. Yes, Yes. exactly. Yeah. Because I know that it's frustrating for patients to go to the doctor and see someone different every single time. I've asked them multiple times, like, well, who do you see in clinic? And they're like, well, I don't know. The last person I saw was this person. But it's a huge difference when the patient comes in and says, my doctor is Dr. So-and-so. Is she here today? 
you know, or my doctor is so-and-so. He, he told me to call him once I went into labor because he wanted to be there for my delivery. Because he knows my situation. <laughs> exactly. Or, you yeah. know, and then me being an advocate for my patient will reach out to those residents like, hey, call Dr. So-and-so. This is their patient. And they've expressed that they wanted to be here for delivery. Mm-hmm. So, you know, making those connections and having that relationship is really important. And it starts with primary care. It does. So get your ass in there. So, um, up, <laughs> no, so, so get your ass in there. <laughs> so um, up next is um, specialty care. And we've kind of hit on this as far as um, going from your primary care physician. Things don't always go the way you plan in life and with your body. And as you get older, things change. And you may need some other service that your primary care physician is like, ah, you know, this ain't really my area. And they do you a service. And giving you a referral to someone who is much more familiar, studied, researched about whatever that is. expert in that field. Uh Exactly. So this person is um, no less or more than your primary care physician. It's just a different specialty. And like Ryan said, an expert. So if you have, say, arthritis, you know, you would go see a person who deals with that. If you have diabetes, you would go see a person who deals specifically with that system. If you have heart problems, you would see someone who deals specifically with that. Um, and there is somebody, some doctor for everything you can cover in your body, skin, hair, nails, throat, eyes, no, every single thing. Feet. Feet. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I've seen a podiatrist. Mm-hmm. I've gone to an ENT, which is an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Um, So, yeah, the specialty care is very important because they kind of take your primary care to a next level and they can go more in depth. And also they can order tests if that's what you need that are relevant instead of just running a gamut of things and doing interventions or treatment plans that you may or may not even need. And so while you're being poked and prodded or paying out the wazoo for these different tests, your specialty physicians will streamline that and make your health care a lot more um, centered on what your issue is. And I will say that um, once your primary care doctor gives you a referral to see a specialist, it doesn't mean that you never go to see your primary care doctor again. They are not pushing you off on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, that specialist is going to confer with your primary care doctor every step of the way. Any mm-hmm. results that come back from tests or labs or scans, they're going to also send those results to your primary care. And those two together talk um, about your 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 case and come up with a plan for you together. And so there may be times where you go back to see your primary care doctor while you're, you know, seeing your your specialist. So I don't want people to think that, oh, she shit me off and she mm-hmm. don't want me to be her patient anymore. Mm-hmm. No, she's still your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, like Tasha says, she's just um, really giving you a service by having somebody who um, specializes in a specific body system to see you as well. So you'll then have two doctors. Good point. You're just adding to your care team. Mm -hmm. And the things that your primary care provided are still necessary for you. Yes. You may not see that specialist as frequently as you see your primary care doc. Um, And then I guess I'll touch on mental health real quick, which is kind of a specialty that is overlooked, I think, a lot of times. And just 
even in normal everyday life, people mm-hmm. tend to disconnect from their mental health needs. Mm-hmm. So we have mental health facilities that are in and outpatient. We have them in acute care settings, and you can request them when you go to a primary care physician if you have a need, if you're feeling sad or whatever. Most mental health services are built into your insurance, whatever insurance that may be. Um, and I know at my job, we have um, six sessions that we can get through an employee um, assistance. Uh, yeah, assistance program. Thank you, Ryan. That you can go sit and talk with a counselor or a therapist, a licensed therapist, for at least six sessions. And that's free of charge. I mean, it's prepaid. The, the employer <laughs> pays it, though. It's You don't right. pay it. Your right. employer it's right, a, like somebody paying sponsored. for it. Yeah. However, because ain't nothing in life right. for <laughs> But in gum, okay, all right. So it it is paid for, but it is a benefit mm-hmm. uh, afforded to you through your insurance yes. plan. And so you have out care, outpatient care centers where, say, if if you had an addiction or something like that, and you wanted to seek rehab, not everyone goes inpatient for rehab. Some people. Um, have meetings like AA or um, Al-Anon, stuff like that, that they can go to weekly on a weekly basis. Or some people even go daily. Like if you're thinking about a methadone clinic, people go daily. So that's more of an outpatient service. And then, of course, you have mental health facilities that are inpatient. Some are short term, some are long Um but those specialties are out there for you too and available to be used for whatever you need. And I think we need to detach the stigma around mental health like really, really bad. Big yeah. Time. Really, really bad because it's like I said, slept on, overlooked. People go into mental mental health facilities for lack of sleep, sleep deprivation, mm-hmm. you know, or um severe depression bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. all of these things and a lot of times the addiction um, is a result of untreated mental health issues where a person has self-medicated to try and get that you know in control and Mm -hmm. bring that back center so yeah that's just another aspect of specialty care which probably should be more primary and I think under the help the mental health umbrella there is a type of primary care because I know that sometimes um, people who may be diagnosed with, especially like the more severe um, mental health illnesses, bipolar or um, schizophrenia, they may be um, not inpatient. They may be controlled through medication, but they may still go to a primary care doctor that specializes in health care. I mean, uh, mental, mental health. health. Mm-hmm. They may still go every quarter or every two months or whatever. Sometimes some of those uh, mental health medications, um, lithium is the first one that pops in my mind. You have to get labs drawn because mm-hmm. it can be toxic in your blood at, if it's too much of it in your blood. And so they still they kind of do have a primary care system within that specialty to kind of make sure that those patients are well managed and, and taken care of. So. Also, to add on to mental health, um, usually in most cities, I did learn here in Indianapolis, they do have um, clinics that you can walk into um, as far as mental health clinics. So this is just kind of a good resource to know if you do know somebody or you yourself, you feel like you're just increasingly depressed or you feel like you're going to hurt someone else or yourself. Um, there's always the option, of course, to go to the emergency department. But a lot of these places you can walk into mm-hmm. and they will have someone 
um, that's there that can help you. And a lot of them have um, numbers that you can call to if you just mm-hmm. need to just talk it out. And a lot of times that's what people need. Um, you'll see that with like a lot of patients that you'll have in the hospital. Like some people just All need that to call say like it. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. They just, they just need to talk. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> they just need to talk yes. to somebody. So just know that too. You don't always have to go inpatient or outpatient. Sometimes you can just show up mm-hmm. and that's people true. are gracious and they will help you. And that's what these facilities are for. Like they're like Tasha and Ryan are saying that it's, it's something that we have to realize is a is a growing issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people that are, you know, medicated and things like that. But there are people that aren't that need to be. Yes. Mm-hmm. More, so, more people mm-hmm. who aren't and need to be than people who and are. And so just to detach the stigma so that people know we that it's to. okay. Mm-hmm. You, you need to be it's treated normal. for this. It's yeah. okay. It's normal yeah. to feel sad, to, mm-hmm. you know, just feel like destitute or hopeless at certain times, especially if you're connecting those things to life events and like people have a lot of stuff going on regular but anymore it's just so frowned upon like oh you saw a therapist which for me I'm real open about that I'm like uh honey I love my therapist and I wish she hadn't moved away but I mean (laughs) I'm so serious when she said she was moving I was like but but who approved this? I need to speak <laughs> to the manager. Take a right, vote. right. Did we, you know, because um, the way she would explain it was that, you know, people get an oil change every 3,000 miles on their car. And not because their car is making a noise or showing symptoms, but because that's the manufacturer's requirement. And that's what you do. And people take better care of their car than they do themselves. Like, why would you wait until you're you know, Having showing signs. Down. Yeah, before you decide, maybe I need to decrease the stress in my life, you know, and just to put out another resource there, um, especially as it pertains to mental health, you don't even have to present to a facility. There's apps where you can link up with licensed therapists and they're not that expensive and you can text them and you can talk to them. Hmm. Um, so technology has moved us forward in another way and providing a, a service of anonymity because a lot of people like this stigma is attached to it so it allows you to have some privacy in that area if you want to talk about it so yeah hmm. that's good i didn't know that about the apps mm-hmm. there's an app for that i mean i won't <laughs> say it because you know they're not a sponsor but right. if they want to get on they could email us at getsthedata705 at gmail.com Hey, hit the inbox. <laughs> and we will talk all about what the name of this app is. <laughs> so I'm going to talk um, about a couple different um, places for health health care providers. I'm going to start with rehab. Um, rehab facilities, you can have a single standing rehab facility. You can also have rehab in the hospital in an acute um, setting. Um, or you can have rehab um that is that may share a space or share a, a facility with long-term care. So rehab is, I mean, there's several different reasons that you might need rehab or rehabilitation is what rehab is short for. Um, you could possibly need rehabilitation after a car accident. If you've maybe broken some major bones, you may need rehab after a hip, a knee, any joint replacements, you would need rehab. You'll, you may need rehab after a stroke, um, helping you learn how to move if you, if you have some weakness or paralysis on one side of your body. Um, You may need rehab to teach you how to talk even. 
again. Um, some older people just have weakness, and so they may need rehab just to kind of build their, their muscle strength again. Um, and so those are just a few reasons. I'm sure there are many, many more reasons that you would need rehab. Those are just the first ones that stick out in my mind. Um, I talked about how rehab could potentially be in, in, in a hospital. So any after any major surgery, sometimes you might need rehab. If you're laying around a lot, you're in a, in a position where you can't move around due to um, recovering after surgery, you might need rehab after that. Um, in a long-term care facility, obviously, older people, as the older we get, um, sometimes we're a lot less agile, <laughs> a lot less flexible, a lot less mobile. Um, if you don't have people who care a lot for you that are getting you up and moving to so make sure that your muscles um, don't waste, so they may need um, rehab. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, long-term care um, is something that some people feel <laughs> special ways about. We have really, really good long-term care facilities, and then we have some that need much, much improvement. But long-term care is basically, some people may call it a nursing home. Um, it's where people go when they need maybe um, around-the-clock care. Um, they can no longer care for themselves. They may not be able to cook for themselves. They may be wheelchair-bound or bed-bound. And so they go, and so they're not really in a hospital, but they do have the access to nurses, nursing assistants. Um, somebody's physicians. able to give them their medicine. They have physicians, therapists work, you know, speech therapy, you know, physical therapy. They have all these different resources that are right under one roof um, that they can have access to care. And so um, sometimes not just older people, though. I've seen young people in long-term care facilities. There's actually a, a children's long-term care facility here in our local area. Um, if you are on a ventilator or if you have been in a motor vehicle accident and you may be paralyzed, these are all reasons that you might need long-term care. Um, another place um, that's heading more toward the end of life is um, hospice. Um, hospice, you can have either, again, there can be a, a facility that's all hospice care, or you can also um, select or elect to have hospice at home, where a hospice nurse comes to your house and provides kind of more private or intimate um, hospice. And so hospice is just when you're at the end, end stages of your life, um, all, whether it's due to aging or due to some disease process. And so basically, we just keep you really comfortable. We keep you comfortable and make your transition from this life to the next life um, as easy and as seamless and as painless as possible. Um, and so that's what hospice is. They provide a lot of education for the family, family. too. Yes. A lot of people don't know what to expect, and they are God And a lot of support nurses. for mm -hmm. the families, too. Sometimes more for the families than mm -hmm. for Absolutely. the patient. Yeah, one of my um, good friends is a hospice nurse, and she just loves it. God I say, that's what I say. God mm -hmm. bless you. Um, I, I, every, that is the great thing about nursing mm -hmm. is that you can find what you can do, whatever you'd like. It's something mm -hmm. for everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Take your pick. So, yeah, lots and lots of support and services, um, resources for families as they deal with their their dying family member. Um, and then home care. Home care. I talked about um, you can have hospice at home. Sometimes if um, a family um, how, how home care. I don't know in terms of insurance if it's more costly to um, have a home care nurse than it is for to put somebody in a long-term care facility. But I know a lot of families, um, as, as people begin to live longer, 
the need for home care is starting to grow because like I know in my family, my 70, almost 70 year old aunt is taking care of my granddad who was in his late 90s. And so they have just elected to get home care for her because she's older herself. Mm -hmm. She's 70. 70. And so it's a lot of work to take care of somebody round the clock full time. And God bless her, auntie. I hope you're listening because God bless you um, for your dedication and anybody else who's taking care of their elderly parents um, sometimes people taking care of their grandparents or whatever and so um, god bless you all because it is no easy feat to take care of somebody who is aging um, being responsible for their meals and their potty breaks and their exercise and their doctor's appointments and everything else you know and thank god my grandfather is fairly healthy and so he doesn't have many 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 appointments but i mean some people are sickly Mm -hmm. and so they constantly have appointments and constantly have to do this or that and so um home care the nurse comes in you can have um home health aides to do home care you have lpns to do home care and you have rns who can do home care and also sometimes you can have a nurse practitioner depending on the need of the patient can come in and do um, provide a service in the home and so that's really helpful because then the the caregiver the uh, daughter or son or whoever is taking care of the patient who needs home care they get to still kind of you know have the benefit of being in their own home they can kind of oversee the care and then the patient gets to to still be in an environment that is familiar for them Um, and so you know, that may be a good choice. That is an option for those of you who think that you may have an aging parent or a family member. Um, that is an option if you're able to maintain them at home um, in between these uh, nursing care visits. So. I think it just takes some um, some resources and preparation, but I don't think it's more expensive or as expensive as having them in a facility. And I had heard something recently, like within the last year or so, about doctors moving back towards like the home visit uh-huh. sort of mm-hmm. thing or making quote-unquote house, yeah, house calls, what we used to call because, I mean, could you imagine the charge, the day charge for being at a hospital? It's probably ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I've never been inpatient, thank God. But I went for an outpatient procedure, and it was probably like fifteen grand, mm-hmm. and that was for not even a whole day. And so then you're talking about the cost associated with that care, and then the comfort and That's, meals, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're thinking about someone who may be on the the end of their life or whatever, no one wants to be stuck in a hospital bed on the schedule of somebody else. You still want to feel like you have some sort of control or mm-hmm. quality of life, mm-hmm. and being in your own home where you probably raise your children. Or, you know, can see your grandkids. They can come over. Yes. Everybody can visit at their own kind of schedule. You're not paying for parking. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. just these little New care coordination kind of things okay. that come along with being in the hospital or in a care facility. You know, it, to me, sounds like a more comfortable Oh, I option. definitely. Well, I told y'all already. The yeah. more daughters you, you have. <laughs> the more daughters no you have. No shady times No shady times. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I have, I have seen some really, really nice long-term care facilities. But I still think I agree with you. There's something to be said about being in the comfort of your own home where you're being taken care of by somebody who you loves love. you. Yes. Um, I just think that there's, you know, there, there's something to be said about that. Now, again, 
Everybody doesn't have the capacity to be able to care for their loved one at home. Some people battle within themselves. Um, it's a hard decision to make to put somebody in a nursing home. Now, some people just throw y'all, y'all just throw y'all people in the nursing home. You don't even think twice, whatever, go buy granny, whatever. <laughs> but some people really battle within themselves about, you know, um, putting putting their loved ones in a nursing home. And so it's a hard choice to make. Um, but just know that you do have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Yeah. Definitely. I do think that it's also important. A lot of people think that um, it's like bad to say that they need help. Like if they are taking care of someone at home, whether it's a kid or their spouse Mm -hmm. or their parent and they're overwhelmed. And a lot of times those patients will get admitted into the hospital I've seen and that person is finally able to sleep Mm -hmm. and they are just worn out or they're even sick themselves Mm -hmm. and they get admitted because you know they were too stressed so like we're saying there's options for help and there's respite care too Mm -hmm. right like you can call somebody to say hey I need a break and then somebody might somebody come to come the house in. or you can take your loved one to a facility for mm-hmm. a couple of days, like you said, so you can get some rest or sleep or whatever. So, yeah, I forgot about that. That is a good a good thing to point out. It's no crime in asking for help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you got to take care of yourself, too. Um, I don't know if I have the capacity, like, to be that primary caregiver. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I can't imagine what that would feel like to watch your loved one steadily decline. Mm-hmm. Like, I think my nursing skills, Nurse Tasha, would only be in effect for so long. Mm-hmm. And then I would be like, you know what, this is, it's hard. It has to be difficult to care for your dying parent. Like, I, I couldn't well, imagine that. I think that at first, they're not dying. They're just aging. Um, sometimes they're completely healthy. They just are just aging they're not safe to be home alone or you as the daughter might think ma like dang mm-hmm. you 80 like you Did can't you live alone again? anymore or mm-hmm. are you cooking or like you know mm-hmm. i just you may feel unsettled about leaving mm-hmm. them alone um as they're aging and so sometimes they're not dying they're just aging and you might just want to keep them close like, mm-hmm. you want to hold your three-year-old's hand when y'all cross the street because they're fragile the older that they get. My granddaddy always said, once a man, twice a child. I think that's in the Bible, too. I'm going to look it up. But I think, I, think that's, I think that's scripture, okay? So, <laughs> judge your mama. Um, but, so, I mean, and I think that's true. As, I, as I've been blessed to watch my grandparents go from these spry, little funky 60 70 year old people who were picking us up and keeping a house full of grandkids to being in you know people in their 90s who were just fragile they twice a child Mm -hmm. i mean you know it it really is but i because i have had that experience of not only me being able to watch the aging process from whatever time i was born until um you know them being in their 90s my grandma has already passed on but my granddaddy you know being in his late 90s um, and not only seeing that, but also seeing how um, their children rallied around them and did whatever they had to do, made whatever sacrifices they had to make to make sure that they were taking care of them, almost giving back mm-hmm. um, as that their parents gave to them. Um, I, it, it, it has I, I could. I could be a caregiver. Um, I, I know that it would not be easy at all. <laughs> It would be probably harder than being a parent 
because they're adults and you want them to maintain independence and all that stuff. Um, but I, I definitely, I definitely could. Um, we'll see. <laughs> You're saying that now. We'll we're gonna, see. Mama we're gonna see. Remember, we're putting this. We will out see for consumption for however long, for well, eternity. Yeah. Your mother gonna be like, "Hey, baby, play that back." Uh, uh, what was that pod thing you were doing when you said you was taking care of me? Not my mama. She gonna be like, "It was episode this on it this day, two thousand seven. Yes, she it was on <laughs> But yeah, so. All right, so we've gotten through all of our facilities, yes. which is yeah. a lot. It is there's a lot. lot, and there's probably some that we forgot. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but these are the big, the big dogs of the facilities that mm-hmm. you'll probably interact with some yeah, point some in your point. lifetime. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, the PCP often. Like once a year. <laughs> at least once a year. At least, at least once, once a year. year. So next we have our nursing notes. Uh, Ryan, she had already kind of went over hers. Do you have anything to add to I, your previous? I don't. One? I don't. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on. Said, I don't. I, I, I say that don't. very happily. Like actually, I no. I'm actually I'm, I'm done. finished. I'm done. I mean, Thank I killed you. two birds with one stone. Hey. Um, Good job. Good job. <laughs> so Ryan. Fab, do you got one? Um, yeah, just kind of an update for you sure? yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, let me pull this up. Just an update for um our male listeners and our guys out there. Know that we keep you in mind and at heart all the time. So um, when I come across things that I feel like could be helpful, it's only fair that I share those things. And I am in a nursing um professional whatever it's called club, not a club, but <laughs> association. And they put out information about different things that may be happening and updates in the healthcare world. And there's going to be a new push um, for um, prostate screening, mm-hmm. and they're increasing the age, even for people or men who are at risk to mm-hmm. some degree. They're pushing that age to 55 and not 50. Mm-hmm. And basically, this I'm putting this all in a nutshell. Basically, they're saying that. The PSA testing kind of levels out at a certain point in a man's life, so it's more reliable the older they are. Um, And so at some point, most men will get like false positives for the PSA, and that has to do with the timing of when they get that. So I found that pretty interesting. Also, they talked about digital rectal exams, biopsies, and the PSA the lab draws and things like that can be more harmful than prostate cancer itself. And so they were saying that what is the point basically in testing an an 80-year-old man for prostate cancer if he would die from another disease before he would die from prostate cancer because it is such a slow-growing cancer in men. And some of the Things that I read, like they were saying, oh, you know, well, this is worse than that. I'm like, what could be worse than having cancer or prostate cancer for that matter? But they were saying like some of the um, side effects from the treatments and some of the the um, side effects from the biopsies and things like that was like incontinence yeah. of bowel mm-hmm. and urine mm-hmm. um, impotence yeah um pain bleeding like all of these things and I hadn't even thought about it. I was like man that sucks um and so that would definitely be a problem like if you're talking about sexual impotence 
like indefinite for a man that's a big deal and if you're doing that at 50 when men are still you know able to have a baby at 75 or well into their 70s and that's been shown like that's that's a big deal for a guy urinary incontinence and bowel incontinence like I'm sorry I don't know about y'all but I'll never want to have to poop on myself and especially if you are a man so a lot of those sorts of things have been more problematic than the cancer itself and so I just thought that I would update that they are moving to start prostate screenings a little bit later later and especially the PSA because it hasn't been as um reliable as what we had hoped in the past Hmm. always interesting to see what things change in healthcare because they seem to shift one way and then come back um which is kind of the way it should be yeah if well if the new recommendations stand but all too often i feel like they we have new recommendations and then they realize oh that was dumb let's go back to doing it the old way sorry we did that to y'all yeah Mm -hmm. so that it's all i think that's how healthcare advances and things like that happen through trial and error and you know i don't think it's a bad thing to be like hey let's try this and see like a negative outcome from that new thing and be like no let's uh, abort abort you know what i'm saying like that's not good for the greater population let's go back to the way that we are familiar with until we find a new way i agree i I agree it's just i my my biggest um shock with this new recommendation isn't the um decreased biopsy and all that stuff because of the um, potential side effects of that mine is the delayed PSA testing Mm -hmm. I think that's weird because I would I mean I'd rather have a false positive and then find out that it's not then well but would you want to have a false positive after being treated and then you'd have to have a biopsy to confirm the test right but I think as women we see it differently because we think, okay, prostate, reproductive, organ, or I do. Um, I think prostate cancer, breast cancer. And unfortunately for women, our reproductive organ cancers are so much more aggressive. Yes, they are. Um, but prostate cancer is not really that bad, quote unquote. You know, I hate to say that, but most men who are diagnosed and treated for prostate cancer survive it. And they die from something else totally unrelated. Not in the black community, though. That's not true for the black community. And I think that comes it's, to just the just not getting caught fast enough because no right. one And that's to do that. what makes me feel some kind of way about delayed testing because we know that early early diagnosis leads to better outcomes in the black community. Well, but I think it's not taking away the rectal exam, correct? Like it is. It is. Oh. Taking into account all of that, but as it pertains to in the black community and me saying prostate cancer, I am still comparing prostate cancer to a female reproductive organ cancer. And this is across the board, white, black, and different. Breast cancer, ovarian, uterine, whatever can take a person out undiagnosed or even early diagnosed, whereas prostate cancer is not on that scale or level, period. And that is across the board. Um, I did read, too, in the same article that there needs to be more of a research pool for African-American men and probably other men of color. But uh, that plays into, which we'll get to that at some point, like our distrust 
of the healthcare system, I'm not signing up for no research study to take this drug and let you play around with any of my organs or otherwise. And so I'm never going to find a line of men, especially black men, who are lining up to say, hey, let's do some research about this because we just don't trust it. I know I don't. I would be like, what you going to sign up for that for? I mean, I get medical advances and all of that, but by the same token, it hasn't always been shown to have our best interests at heart and mind. I feel like research is definitely a sticky topic um, because kind of like how you were saying, you have to be able to figure out kind of if what you're doing is the best way to do it. And if it's not, you got to go back. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, research has to happen. Um, But... It is, a, it is a very slippery slope because it, a lot of times you've got to look at who's funding it and mm-hmm. like what they can gain from this research. Mm-hmm. And what, um, are, what are you testing for? Like, what is your outcome? Right. What like, are you looking for? And that goes back to the funder because exactly. that almost exactly. always ties right. in. Right, because mm-hmm. they have some type of interest oh, sure. in what is coming Financial out of interest specifically. But I think that just leads to that sometimes as communities, we just need to kind of stick up for ourselves a little bit more. So if we feel like, you know, they say X, Y, Z keeps happening in our community, we can't figure out why. Like sometimes I think as a community, we could do better with pooling our own resources to Mm -hmm. figure out funding to find solutions rather than letting Big Pharma make magical drugs. And then they do trials to see if these magical drugs work. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, interesting topic. PSA. <laughs> I had to do it. Just can't let it go. Um, Not so just, like the can Kansas. Like hey, every episode those are coming back. Um, so the nursing note that I had wasn't anything too spectacular. Um, I was just saying with all of the changes within our laws. Just to be mindful of what's going on with your own insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got coverage, if you don't have coverage, just be mindful. Um, I know there had been like the penalty if you didn't have coverage, so be mindful of what happens to that. Mm-hmm. If that, um, I bet that will remain. Yeah, I was like, yeah. if it remains or if it goes we're talking up. About that, I'll, um, yeah, take away your coverage, but then still penalize you mm-hmm. for not having it because that's. That's how that works. Of course. Works. And then mm-hmm. also just be mindful of your own coverage. If things, as they start to snatch stuff, mm-hmm. funding for stuff, be mm-hmm. mindful. Birth is control. your birth control still covered? Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And things like that. Just, <laughs> Ryan just gave just me the keep an eye on it. Well, because True it's story. men who are mm-hmm. running it. That's why. So all of, of those ED meds, oh yeah, they're going to stay in. Yeah. Never mind the fact that STDs are on the rise more in older populations than they will ever be in ours. Probably because of ED drugs. Yeah. In a nursing home, sticking and moving. Anyway. Okay. Mm. <laughs> 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 you get a little sick too. I just, you know what's going down in the nursing home. It's truth. All right, last we've got the language lack. Who's going to say it? You are supposed to be like, language lack. Yeah. (laughs) Why do you keep getting your cue? Excuse me. Well, you forgot yours last time. I hope you get it right today. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, you. We we need your Language lack. Thank you. We can't do it without it. We can't move forward. We need some water for next time because I was low. Is your chest burning? You got a little acid reflex. You were a little pitchy. Yes, my daughter. You were a little little pitchy. Acid reflex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your reflex messing up. 
Is yes, my reflex. That is our language lag, in case y'all didn't figure it out. It is not acid reflex. Okay, a reflex is, you know, something that happens in your body with tendons and all of that kind of stuff. What would it be actually, Ryan? Tell the people. Acid reflux. Reflux. Lux. With a U. Strong ux. Meaning you need <laughs> to Emphasis get this right. on the, the ux. U, right? Ux is strong. <laughs> With the U, you need to get this right. Reflux. Acid. What is? Can you use it in a sentence for us, Tosh? Yeah, the sentence. Yes. Um, so today we're planning to maybe have tacos and margaritas, which might come with a little bit of salsa, and that just causes the, the acids in my belly to reflux. <sighs> Right into my esophageal area and it and cause a little bit of burning. Acid <laughs> reflux. Flux. Flux, flux. <laughs> Don't say it too fast. Now. Right. That <laughs> might sound like Ux. another word. <laughs> Ooh, Tim Carson. Tell it. So now we need to talk about what's coming up next. Then, And what do you mean by that? You know, like when I die, mm, you can get my heart and lungs, you can get my skin and my eyeballs to a dying person in need. All right. So next week we'll be talking about organ donation. Organ donation. Uh, oh, we're going to talk about some advanced directives too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Put that in there. All of this kind What's of stuff. What's DNR mean? We're going to give yeah. y'all what y'all need to know. We're going to give y'all the information. Mm, mm, All right. Mm. But in the meantime, hit, hit us, us up, up on our social media. Hit us um, up. Our email is getsadata705 at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and you can search Get Sedated just the same. Also, you can search Conscious Sedation um, on Twitter. We are. Wow, it's been too long. We've been gone for we're, a minute now. On Twitter, we at Gesedata705, and then on Instagram, we're Conscious underscore Sedation. So you have four ways to talk to the people. Four ways to talk to us. One source. We're gonna respond. All right. Hit the inbox. Hit the email. Hit thumbs up, like, share, comment, rate us on iTunes if you're listening um, on iTunes. And that's how our popularity jumps up and we get a bigger audience. So, thanks to our loyal listeners. We see y'all out there. We see y'all. We appreciate y'all feeding for our (laughs) feedback and all of that. What we got to say. Yes. What you want to say to the people? See you next week. Tiffany can't wait to get out and enjoy this sunshine. Oh, it's so nice outside, y'all. <laughs> Tip out of school right now. So she's going to go play outside, fly yeah. a kite or something. First semester is done. Check yes. Good job. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Shake it down. All right, child. All right. We out, y'all. Peace. Bye.